0: Mothers, we love you. You are mothers of Zion. We appreciate all that you do. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15, verse 26. We are so grateful that our mothers serve the Lord in this church. How many are grateful for mothers that serve the Lord? Amen. So make sure you let them know that today as well. John chapter 15, verse 26 When the advocate comes, also the comforter in the King James, when he comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Highlight the phrase, I will send. Amen. Everybody say it with me if you want to. I will send. Thank you. Does anybody remember the Latin word that we learned last week? Phililoquy. And the Son. And it comes from what creed? Not the Apostles' Creed. I had it incorrect last week. Which one does it come from? Nicene Creed. And the Son. The Father sends the Holy Spirit and the Son. You say, Pastor, that's not that big of a deal. Well, it caused one of the greatest schisms in the church. It caused the east and the west to split, and they have still been split from, this, from that time to this day. Now, we side with the west. Somebody say, west side? West. Amen. We side with the west in Christian history, and we side with them because of these phrases right here. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Let me just take a few moments to explain to you how important this is. So yesterday, by God's grace, we were preaching the gospel at Reeves Park. I got a phone call, phone a friend. One of the preachers had run into a Muslim, and they said, Hey, Pastor Joe, would you come and help us preach to them? So I came over there and started preaching with the Muslim. He had questions about the Trinity, and we began to answer them by God's grace. And one of the questions that he had, which is a good question, is how is God separate from his spirit? Everybody go, hmm, because that's a good question, isn't it? Because are you separate from your spirit? No, you are a spiritual being in a body. Are you separate from it? No, you're one with your spirit in your body. So he was trying to ask, how is this possible that God is separate from his spirit? And so he was confused on how we understand the doctrine of the Trinity. But I wonder how you would answer him if he asked you that same question. Well, the first thing that I did, as any good apologist would, is I showed him from the Quran he has the same problem and even worse because they have in the Quran the spirit coming and doing things upon earth yet the spirit is not given a name and so they think that spirit is Gabriel like a messenger spirit but the problem with that is is that spirit does only what God can do everybody go ooh snap <laughs> Yeah, that's when he said, stop talking about Islam, just talk about Christianity. Am I telling the truth, Brother Ezekiel? That's when he said, no more Islam, you just talk Christianity. And I'm like, no, my brother, we'll always do both. And I told, asked my brother to turn in the scripture in the Proverbs where it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he think he is wise in his own eyes. And he heard that scripture in humility, so I was proud of him because I thought when he saw himself as a fool in folly, he would be offended. So I said, I said, you have to listen to this. You are a fool. You think you are wiser than our scriptures and your wisdom is greater than the Bible. You are a fool in folly. That's why I have to show you that Islam has corrupted your mind. And that this is not teaching you the truth. But lo- look at this, my brothers and sisters, as an opportunity to get a doctrine or lesson on the Trinity. In other words, if you want to learn something about the Bible, ask an apologist or a teacher or an evangelist a question. Amen? Amen. How many of you like to answer questions? Wonderful. Wonderful. So I said to him, You have the same problem, but even worse, because it says in your Quran as well that He, Allah, does not descend into the earth and do these things. He only sends messengers. But as I said, the spirit, which is not called Gabriel, they have to do that to make sense, does things only God can do. Do you see the contradiction? And their mindset, I said, Do you see the contradiction? And their mindset, God cannot come to earth and do things personally. He has to have an intermediary. And yet this intermediary called the spirit, everybody say the spirit, does things only Allah can do. Do you see the contradiction now? So they try to say, though, I said, show me one time in the Quran where it says that the spirit is Gabriel. Show me one time. It never does that. They have to assume that. And even in their translations, they put it in brackets. Remember that, Ezekiel? I showed you in their translations. They'll try to put it in brackets. The spirit came and made Mary pregnant, i.e. Gabriel. And it's like, no, no, no. Show me anywhere where the spirit is called Gabriel. The reason why is, is because Islam is a cheap imitation of Christianity, all religions are cheap imitations of Christianity, by the way. And so he got rocked, and he said, stop talking about Islam. Just tell me Christianity. And I said, well, I'll do both. That's what I will do. Thank you very much. I don't need to take orders from you. I, and he said, "Why well, talk to these other Christians, and they only do it like this. And then Ezekiel, again, can be my witness. Then I said, only talk to them, and I'll leave now, because I don't need to be like them. This, you have met a very unique one. So I'm going to teach you. How your folly has corrupted your mind. Now let me show you the answer to the solution. And the answer is standing right in front of us here in this passage with Jesus Christ, speaking about the Father and the Holy Spirit. And though that little rabbit trail I took about Islam, for some of you, may seem to be irrelevant, the problem for you is just as bad, if not worse, because you're a Christian. And many of you don't know the difference between the question that the Muslim asked And therefore, you must study the scriptures and understand them so you can know the relationship you have with God. So, somebody say, solve the problem. Amen. The Spirit has a spirit like the Father has a spirit, but they're not the same person. Hello, are you all listening? That's important to know. That's why Jesus says, I, Jesus, will send the advocate, the Spirit, from the Father. How many just got some revelation? So when we we ask the question, is the Father separate from his Spirit, not his Spirit as a person, not what makes him a Father, but just because the Father has a Spirit, that doesn't mean he's the person of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, he's sending himself through Jesus, which makes no sense. Does everybody get that? You see, this is important to understand the roles of the Holy Spirit, and this is good for uh, the roles of the Trinity, and this is good for you. Listen, how many of us all have flesh here? But is your flesh my flesh? No. Now, the difference between us and God is the three have a personality, a spirit, a a subsistence of existence. They they have a substance of existence, but the difference between us and them is they are not separate in how they share the same substance. Can I hear an amen? That is when I said to him, now if you want me to give you an example of that, you've committed shirk, which in our language is blasphemy. If you want me to give you a creaturely example of who God is, I have now said that creatures can imitate God and be like him in his complexity. And the Bible, the Quran, the Old Testament, New Testament, all are very clear. There is no one you can compare God with. So that's where people fail, and they say, well, it's the three-leaf clover. You know, they all share the same part of the leaf, but they're different, different parts. Yeah, but you see, when they, when they share that, that part of the leaf, that three-leaf clover, which uh, uh, St. Patrick used, which is a starter move, it's a starter move to explain the Trinity, but it's not exact in it, and that is, when the Son came to earth, the Father remained in heaven, and how many know if you tear a part of the leaf from the three-leaf clover and put one over here, they're now separate. Does everybody get that? Can I hear an amen? So the Trinity says that though the persons are separate and can be in different locations, they still continue in the sharing of their nature. So it would be as if when the one, the son, came to earth on behalf of the father, that the stretch would happen, you know, Mr. Elastic Man would happen. and So the stretch of the leaf would go wherever that one goes. So you see that example of the three-leaf clover and the son coming and not the father, you see that that example fails, but you would have to change And that's the same thing with water. They say water can be a liquid, it can be steam, and it can be ice, but it cannot be three all simultaneously in the same way at the same time. The, the, the moment it's steam, it's not liquid. The moment it's liquid, it's not ice. And what we're saying is that they they have the same properties of a person individually all at the same time distinct from each other by, while sharing a nature. So they are each persons. They are each a water, a steam, and an ice while sharing the identical components. So you may say in this example, like how we tried to stretch The three-leaf clover example, in this example, you may say, if you want to say that all three are H2O, in that sense, you would be getting closer to the Trinity, and then others use the egg, and others, the three parts of an egg, and so forth. But the Bible does not tell us to look for an egg or a three-leaf clover to try to understand the character and the immense power and the nature of a God that spoke the entire universe into existence. Now, some people may say, well, that's just you saying it's a mystery, and we can say that about any contradiction. No, no, no. We are not saying it's a contradiction at all. We are not saying 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. We are saying 1 times 1 times 1 equals 1. When we are doing a mathematical formula, which we shouldn't put that onto God, but if we're doing a mathematical formula, we're multiplying by the same integer. They are one, they are one, they are one. But as persons, there's a one here called the Father, there's a one here called the Son, and one the Holy Spirit. That's where the Bible leaves it for us. And in this sentence right here, you see the Trinity. Jesus, from the Father, sends the Holy Spirit. If we did not have this information, we would be left like the Jews in confusion and only mystery. So when I was speaking to him, he was saying, well, the Jews have the same questions. And that is very true because the Jews do not accept the revelation of Jesus. If you accept the revelation of Jesus, now you know how God is three and one. And what is so amazing is that our sister was singing the prophecy about Zerubbabel in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Let's go there quickly. Because God says you need to understand the person of the Holy Spirit to have power. And that's what Jesus is explaining to us: is that there's going to be power through the Holy Spirit, there's going to be conviction through the Holy Spirit, and that we have to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father in the sense that He represents the Father, and He's the Spirit of the Son. And this is where you speak to your Jehovah Witness friends who want to say that Jesus is less than the Father, but the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, is called the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of Jesus. In the- the New Testament. Isn't that powerful? I said, Isn't that powerful, church? Amen. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Going back to our passage, it is important to know who is that person of the Spirit that the Father is sending to give that power. Go quickly with me now to the book of Exodus, chapter 30, excuse me, the book of, um, let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 17. Notice that when God was anointing the leaders of Israel, that he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to find a, um, a type and a shadow of the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, look to Numbers 11, verse 17. God says, I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they will bear the burden of the people with you so that you will not carry it alone. In other words, God's spirit was on Moses, and then God said, I'm going to take some of what I've put on you, and I'm going to put it on to others. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You see, there's the day of Pentecost coming in the Old Testament. Show that to your Baptist friends so they can become Baptocostal. God has always been open to pouring his Spirit on people for the sense of power. Now, going back to John, let's not get it twisted. John, Jesus speaking, red letters. When the Advocate comes, who we know is the Holy Spirit, also known as the Comforter, he will come because I will send him to you from the Father. The Spirit of what? The Spirit of what? Come on, shout it out. The Spirit of truth. Thank you. The spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me and you also must testify. You have been with me from the beginning. And this is why you can share with a person from any religion that says, oh, I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual. Well, your spirit better be testifying about Jesus Christ being the Lord and Savior, death buried and rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven. Because if that spirit's not testifying about Jesus, you've got an evil spirit that needs to get cast out in the name of Jesus. What will the true spirit of God do? Testify about Jesus. Well, I go to yoga class and I like the vibes there and I get a spiritual awakening when I go there. No, you're being deceived. You're being deceived by an evil spirit that's dirty and filthy and wants to molest your spirit so it can get something out of you. God's Spirit doesn't come to deceive and molest and to come and take in deception something from you. The Holy Spirit comes in the name of Jesus. And notice the kind of Spirit that He is. He's holy. He's sacred. He won't have you doing wicked and crazy things. He'll have you live like how the Father and the Son are in Jesus' name. You'll be holy like He is holy because you have the Spirit of the Holy One on the inside of you. Don't get it twisted just because I come today in a hoodie and jeans and some sketchers. Don't think we're not a holy people here. This is a holy church in Jesus' name. Even though our worship leader now is throwing it back to Little House on the Prairie, you don't have to come in a dress today. God bless you, Desmond. We're just teasing with you. That's a good style, and I like it. But listen, we're not saying you can't cut your hair. Ladies, you have to wear, uh, You can't wear jeans a dress. That, that's your choice. But listen, the Bible says that holiness starts in the heart. It's the attitude of the heart, and yes, it will reflect in the way you dress. Yes, it will reflect in the way that you present yourself, both male and female, to this world. Because you won't want people to look at you as a sexual object, but as a child, a daughter, a son of God. And you'll want to have that kind of respect and dignity wherever you go. And we need that again. We need that in this culture to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So he'll come upon us, Jesus says, and then he will testify about who Jesus is, chapter 16 verse 1, just remembering chapters and verses were added much later. This is one speech. Let's keep going. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Jesus doesn't want his disciples to fall away, though we know Judas will eventually They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. We talked about this last week and suffering on behalf of of Jesus. This is nothing new. It's been around for a long time. Jesus went through it himself. They crucified him. How many know they didn't give him the keys to the city, you know? And if they crucify Jesus, what do you think they'll do to you? They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now that I'm going to him who sent me, none of you ask, where are you going? So notice this, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So the Father sent the Son, and the Son came in the Father's name. Now the Son is going back to the Father, and with the Father, Father, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's how it's working. Verse 6, rather you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Obviously, they would be sad. But very truly, I tell you, it is good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Remember those phrases again and put that in the highlight. I will send. Somebody say, Jesus will send. The Holy Spirit. That's why we're on the west side of the filioque. And the Son. The Son will send in the name of the Father. So, anytime we look in the Old Testament, let's go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 and onward. In Genesis chapter 6, we see right before Noah's generation gets flooded off the earth, we see God speaking to the people. And He says in verse 3 The Lord said, My Spirit will not contend with humans forever. They are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. And then we begin to see that they do the wickedness. Just scroll down a little bit there, even with the title, The Wickedness of the Earth, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts and of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Amen. And his heart was troubled, so the Lord said, I'll wipe them from the face of the earth. Okay, now going back up to verse 3, please. Going back up, my spirit. The Lord says, my spirit will not contend with humans. Who do I believe the person of the Lord is there speaking? The Son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the one that is known as the Lord that we have seen. Go to John 1.18 in another tab, but keep that up there. We've done this before, but it's good that we're reminded. We have not seen the Father, but we have seen the Lord. Moses could not see the Father, but he could see the Lord. Was that a contradiction? No, he was seeing the Lord Jesus. Remember in Romans it says, whoever confesses with their mouth Jesus Christ is what? Lord shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In the New Testament, book of John, where we've already been, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the who? The Father has made him known. So when the Bible is speaking about the Lord saying, my spirit is being grieved, that is Jesus talking about what the Holy Spirit's going through. That's why in the book of John, he reveals to us what was once concealed to the prophets. What they had once as concealing, we have now in Jesus revealing. If you don't believe me, quickly go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. From the old to the new, from the old to the new, they confirm each other, but see it in context. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Who? of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for deliverance because the Holy Spirit takes on the name of, the Holy, of Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit represents Jesus in the Father. Isn't that what we're learning in John? Father sends the Spirit through Jesus in his name to testify about him. Quickly go to Acts chapter 6 verse 7, a few more in the New Testament. Jesus puts his name on the Holy Spirit so we can know more about him. So the word of God spread. The numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Go to uh, chapter 16, verse 7. I must be in the wrong one. Sorry about that. It's 16, verse 7. That's a good passage. How many want to see the, the message of the gospel spread? Amen. Amen. When they came to the border of Miza, they tried to enter Bithany, but the spirit of Who? The spirit of who? The spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And then quickly, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, please. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Each person in the triunity of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all have a spirit. They all have a mind. They all have a will. And they all have emotions. They're all persons. But they share the equal nature. And yet, when the Holy Spirit comes, he bears the name of the Spirit of the Father and of the Spirit of Jesus. Why? Because as Jesus is teaching us now in John 16, he doesn't come on his own behalf to talk about himself. He comes to testify about the Son and what the Son has done for the Father. Are you guys listening? Can I hear an amen? Amen amen, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir, now please go back to John chapter 16 and quickly see this before we get into our message, look at your neighbor and say, this is the introduction. Amen. Aren't you glad you came, mothers? This is my Mother's Day to you. Some Adichetta of the, uh, the Word of God. Amen. This is the Adichetta of the Word. I will send him to you. I will send him to you. One last correction of false doctrine, then we'll get into the message. There is a group of supposed Christians, they're really not, they're heretics known as Jehovah Witnesses, or or excuse me, Oneness Pentecostals, Oneness Pentecostals, we've already rebuked the heresy of Jehovah Witnesses, but these Oneness Pentecostals, they are a strange and an odd bunch, because they look like us in many ways. They clap their hands, they get excited in church, they jump up and down and shout, some of them are online and have an audience, people following them, and they are very similar to us because they came from us in the early 1900s and then they divided off. They thought that they had discovered some new teaching of the Bible, but it was really an ancient heresy. And the new teaching of the Bible that these oneness Pentecostals thought they were discovering is called modalism. In other words, instead of God existing as three separate persons as one, he's just one person who acts as three persons. Sometimes he's the father, sometimes he's the son, sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. And the example that they always give is they'll point to someone like me and say, Joe is a father, Joe talking about me, Joe is a father, Joe is a son, and Joe's a pastor. Just like God is a father, God can be a son, and God can be a spirit. And in those ways. Here's the problem is he sending himself. You see, the language of the Bible refutes this simplistic and heretical understanding of the Trinity. It's a oversimplification of what is spoken of in the scriptures. Notice Jesus speaking. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. If he is the same person as the Holy Spirit, he would have to say to them, the advocate's already here, boys. Right? If Joe and I got, I need y'all to pay attention to this. Otherwise, we won't keep mother here to the crock pot uh, you know, that makes all that meat go bad, okay? Some of y'all left that crock pot on, you know what I'm talking about. So my, hey, mama's nudge people, tell them to pay attention so we could be out here a little bit quickly today. Hello. Okay, listen, right here. If Joe, talking about me, the son... Is in front of my father. Is it right for me to say that Joe the father, dad, can't come to you unless Joe the son leaves first? Y'all confused. I have a dad. How many know that? How many know I'm not my dad? Okay, so we're having a conversation. Two fathers are having a conversation, okay? Joe with my dad. Joe is a son to my father, my dad, okay? Can Joe, talking about myself in the third person, track with me here, can I say to my father, this statement, Joe, your son has to go away so Joe, Lucas's father, which is the name of one of my children, can come to you? Would that ever make sense? No, because I'm the same person standing right in front of him, okay? That's what the oneness says the, is happening in the scripture. Jesus, the Son, who's really the Father, just acting as a Son now, is telling them, I have to go back to myself, the Father, to then come back to you as the Holy Spirit. Is that at all the language of what is happening here? Of course it's not. It's very clear, unless I, Jesus talking about himself, go away. <laughs> Like back up to where the Holy Spirit came from. When he came down on me, I go back up to that direction. Amen? And then when I go, guess who comes back down? The Holy Spirit. So I go up to where he's at and then he comes down. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And where does it say in the Bible he's going? He's going back to his father to sit at the right hand on his throne. Praise God. Now, here's the message, verse 8 and onward. When he comes, not when I come. Don't you think Jesus knows the difference when he talks about people and himself and others? When he comes, who's the he there? The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will prove what is wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment about sin, verse 9, because people do not believe in me. It's a sin not to believe in Jesus. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Oh, I thought we saw the, uh, the, the clothing tongues of fire come down on Pentecost. No, that's not him. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. Amen. You will see me no longer, and that's why he's going to convict you of righteousness, because I've been raised from the dead, he's saying. And about judgment, because the prince of this world, the devil, hallelujah, now stands condemned. How many know Jesus whooped the devil? Amen. Now look at verse 12 for me, please. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, talking about someone else other than himself, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Somebody say, blow it up. I don't care how much we love oneness Pentecostals as people. Their doctrine gets blown up here. And the beauty of the Trinity, the beauty of the Trinity is that the family of God, Father, Son, and Spirit have been with us this entire time showing us who they are, teaching us who they are, and bringing us into their family to have union with them. That's why we have the triangle up here. This is not because I'm a secret member of the Illuminati, okay? The triangle does not belong to the Illuminati. All shapes and geometric shapes belong to Jesus, amen? A circle belongs to Jesus. A square belongs to Jesus. A trapezoid belongs to Jesus. And my friends, as you take this picture and put it up on the conspiracy website, This belongs to Jesus. Now, someone might have hijacked it and made it to be something else, and then Jay Z did it to mess with everybody to make you think he's in the conspiracy or put it over the eye or whatever, and those things can be true. But the shape of a triangle reminds us all shapes remind us of God's nature, by the way. All mathematics point us back to God, which is a whole nother discussion. But what the triangle reminds us of is Father, Son, and Spirit, perfect unity. And because of Jesus Christ, humanity gets to participate and dwell with divinity. Everybody say, humanity, through Jesus Christ, participates in divinity. We get to have a relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what is Jesus teaching us here? The Spirit is going to come from him and the Father. No one's going to see the Father in Him anymore walking around, maybe a vision here or there. But the main role now of God upon the earth is going to be through the person of the Holy Spirit. But the person of the Holy Spirit will not guide people to his own experiences, even though he'll have experiences with people. He'll touch our hearts. He'll make us cry, make us laugh, fall down, go boom sometimes, run around the building, wave some flags, do things Pentecostals do. The Holy Spirit will give us power and all these things. But the most important thing the Holy Spirit is going to do, according to Jesus, is to take whatever belongs to Jesus and bring it to us in the form of of, of truth and of knowledge. Amen? Everybody see this here. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to guide you unto all truth. How is he going to do that? Because he's going to take what belongs to Jesus and make it known to us. Isn't that beautiful? How many have a relationship today with the Holy Spirit? Amen. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Notice the relationship here. Here is the triune relationship, brothers and sisters. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's what Jesus is saying. So if, if what belongs to the Father is all power, does Jesus now have all power? Absolutely. Can there be more than one being that's all powerful? No. There can only be one being. So that means Jesus is equal with the Father in nature, but he's not the Father in person. There are not three gods. There is one God who shares his eternal nature in three persons. Are you listening? It's okay to be wrong sometimes in church, but you all get this with me. If everything belongs to the Father, if everything that the Father has is now Jesus's, does that mean there's two gods? No, because there can only be one first and last. There can only be one all-powerful. There can only be one king of kings. All of these titles and attributes belong equally to the Father, belong equally to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Can I hear an amen? I just want you to get it. We do not believe in multiple gods. We believe in one being that is called God who exists in three persons. There is one nature of God, one being of God, one substance of God. And yet that substance, that being, that race as it were, that race of God is shared by three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so here we see the reason why we are Trinitarians. And if you could, my brother, look up the chart that I have on the Trinity. This might be a little bit hard, but just put in Trinity into, uh, oh, you know what, B-H-I Trinity. If you search it on the website, B-H-I Trinity, you'll be able to pull up a blog that I had a debate with them of the, the slide of the Trinity, please. And take your time, thank you. What you now see is why we're Trinitarians. And I'm going to preach the message here in just a moment, but I want to conclude the passage. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus says. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, everybody get this in closing quickly to the introduction as we get ready to to preach this message on the Spirit coming to convict us of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. The two errors that people fall into is the heir of what we call Arianism or the Jehovah Witnesses, that modern understanding of it, where Jesus is a lesser God than the Father because he's called the Son and he seems to be in submission to the Father. Therefore, he must be a lesser God than the Father. That is called polytheism. Everybody say polytheism. Thank you. The reason why, no, not this one. It's it's on this same page. It's going to be a chart that talks about the Trinity. It's going to have different versions of the Trinity and the main one in the middle. That polytheism is contradicted all throughout the Bible. Here, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord thy God, thy Lord is one. Ahad, the Lord is what? One. Everybody say one. One, Hebrew, achad, complex unity. As a man and woman shall become what? One, achad, same word. Are there just one person now as they come together? No, there's two persons in one shared nature of marriage. Amen? And that's why I looked at my wife the other day and I said, "Baby you would have nothing to celebrate today unless I loved on you and took care of you, you would be all by yourself." So can, mothers, can we get a little credit today for help making you mothers?" Okay, I guess not. I guess none of that. Well, I tried it with Nancy, and it didn't work either, so I'll just leave that alone. But just remember, a mother can't become a mother all by herself. Amen, She needs a father, and I know our day is coming, so I won't try to slip it in. But I did tell her that last night. I said, "Baby you wouldn't be a mama without me. just let you know that. Just let you know you needed me to become a mama. Now, uh, the second heresy on the flippity side, the flippity flop, is the one that we just went through, Sabellianism, that says, well, then, if there can only be one all-powerful, if there can only be one king of kings, if there can only be one first and last, then that means they're all the same person. Do you see how John, as we've gone through this whole context, 14, 15, and now in 16, blows up both of those heresies? Do you all see it? Come on, class. Help me out today. Do you all see it? The reason is, is because of passages like we just read. Look at the Aryan understanding. Jesus is a lesser created God. Can that be true? And Jesus say, all that the Father has is mine. Could a lesser God say that? Of course not. Not only would it violate all the principles of monotheism in the passage that we're in, it would violate Jesus' words. He says, all that the Father has belongs to me. That means he shares in everything the Father has. According to all religions, that makes you God. <laughs> now, why do we reject polytheism? Is because of all the scriptures that tell us there's only one God. But now the modalist, he gets happy, and he goes, see, Jehovah Witness, I told you Jesus was God. And guess what? He's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But then we go, put on your brakes. Notice Jesus talking about himself, talking about the Father, and then talking about sending the Holy Spirit who no one has seen yet. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Wow, so where are you left? You're left right there in the middle with the Trinity. You're left believing exactly what we have always said. It's not based on philosophy. It's not based on the wisdom and the things of men. It's based on the scriptures, that the Father, Son, and Spirit share the same nature, but the Father is not the Son, and the Father and Son are not the Spirit. Lauren, were you able to help him find it? Amen. Thank you, my brother. Would you put it up there for us, please? Here it is now. Very simply in this chart, and I give other uh, false doctrines, uh, refutation here, but I also want you to see the two main ones. That way you can be prepared to deal with it. As he's getting it up there, let's keep reading in our scriptures. That is why, verse 15, I said, the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Amen. Do you have the slide to get us? Okay. Can you help him get it for me, please? Let me talk to you about the three things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to do as they do uh, this work for me, because I do want you to see it. Everybody say, convict. Of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Amen. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Brother, you don't have to worry about anything else other than getting that slide, please. You can just leave that up and let them go in their paper Bibles or their phone Bibles. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Somebody say, convict of sin. There it is. Thank you. Perfect. Everybody see this as we get ready to now get into our lesson for today. I wanted everybody to see this. Do you notice on one side I have Arianism, God the Father, created God the Son as a lesser God to use the Holy Spirit as a force, and then over here I have Sabellianism that Jesus is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Do you see that now? And do you see why over time Christians began to teach that Jesus is not the Father, and he's not the Holy Spirit, but he is equal as God. That's why we draw the triangle like this, and if you want to be legit, like even on our picture, you would draw it upside down, because remember, it's the Father and the Son who send the Holy Spirit. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now let's go to our message. Praise God. Thank you, brother in the back. Appreciate that. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Somebody say, the Spirit convicts of sin. Now, some people think that that means that we'll never preach and see others convicted of sin. They just think only the Holy Spirit's going to do that. Hey, man, you're not supposed to preach to me and make me feel convicted. The Holy Spirit does that. No, if you read just previous to this, we work with the Holy Spirit. You will testify, Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit will testify. Amen? So we both got a testimony to share. The Holy Spirit's going to work on your inner heart into your inner person. I'm going to work on the outside to your fleshly ears so you can hear what God is saying. Now look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, notice this. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. So if you're in him in the triangle here or wherever it is over here, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. But if you're outside of Christ, is there condemnation? Yes, there is. Because only Christ can bring you the Spirit. Read it again with me as I read it out loud. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus because those through Christ or in Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So you can't receive the spirit of freedom, you can't receive the spirit of uh, his ways of doing things unless you come through Jesus, because through Christ Jesus. Highlight that for me, please, brother, the first part of verse 2, because through Christ Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say that with me. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit or the principle of the Spirit or the covenant or the agreement of the Spirit gives life and sets you free. So if the Spirit sets you free in Jesus' name, you are free indeed. Thank you, brother, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. That's talking about our sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering that's why Jesus came in the flesh so he could die in the flesh but remember he was sinless he did not sin like Adam did or like how we had did he spoke the word of God in temptation when he was tempted against Satan and he condemned in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the what according to the what the spirit amen come on can I hear an amen Let's get excited today. Amen. I'm so happy to be sharing this with you because the Bible said Jesus would do this, and I've had it done in my life. How many have had the Spirit convict you of sin, righteousness, and of judgment, and now today you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, amen, and you're living free. That's a beautiful life. That's a beautiful life. There's nothing like living for Jesus. A few more verses. Those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. See, that's how I know the Spirit is not just a force. Like, Spirit, you know, I'm spiritual. No, the Spirit has a voice. The Spirit has a mind, the Scripture says. And here you see, the Spirit has desires. And yet this Spirit is not the Father. This Spirit is not the Son. It is the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son. And when we come to Christ, He, the Spirit, lives in us, and He teaches us to desire what God desires. That's the beauty of Christianity. That's when I was speaking to my friend, going back to him, the Muslim. I said, does Islam do that for you? Does Islam take the God that is far, far away from you in the highest heavens and bring him so close to you that he's closer than the air you breathe? Of course he doesn't. He cannot. That God is powerless to do such a thing. But the God of the Bible comes into our lives transforms us, sets us free, and then speaks to our mind so that we don't give into the flesh, which comes natural to us, to the natural desires of our temptations, but to follow the Holy Spirit. Everybody say thought is the language of spirit. Think about that as you think about your thoughts. You are a spiritual being that can think You think because you are a spiritual being. The language that you are participating in in your mind is the language of spirit. They've tried to place us on brain scans to figure it all out. And they can only look at the causation, but not the origination of what is happening. In other words, it would be like you watching me play the guitar, thinking that me and the guitar are now the same thing. No, we're not. I am separate from that guitar. My knowledge and information is different than that guitar, but yet I become one with it and produce a sound. It is as silly for them to say that about a man and a guitar as it is to say you are your brain. You are not your brain. You are a spirit that uses your brain. This brain turns to dust, but your spirit is immortal. And in your spirit, you are thinking and you are being a person of individuality, of fruition, of will, of likes and dislikes. This is the image of God. But yet, left without the Spirit of God, your spirit will be drawn to that which is the easiest desire to fulfill, which is the fleshly desire. In other words, the language of God or the fellowship with God will become so distant that you won't hear it, and the appetites, the desires, the inner cravings of your flesh will become the megaphone voice in your heart. How many have ever been a sinner before? How many have heard the megaphone of your flesh? (laughs) Come on, let's be honest. We've all had the megaphone of our flesh. But as Christians, there should be another voice that we can hear clearly. But hold on. According to Jesus, just going back to our notes... Are we as Christians, now that we're Christians, the only ones that are hearing the spirit of truth? No. He will convict the world. Go up, please, to verse 9. Just the Christian? No. He will convict the world, prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So that means everyone today is hearing from God. The question is, are they listening? The question is, are they listening? Some people will say, well, this is my conscience. This is No, 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 not if it's coming in this voice, in this direction. It is more than your conscience. It is a draw towards the things of God. When sinners are convicted of sin, that is not merely their conscience. The reason why we know that is because the conscience can be seared and become numb to that feeling of conviction and be in gross sin and still enjoy it. Have you ever heard of the Nazis? You ever heard of the slave owners of the South? You ever heard of the Aztecs, the Incas, the heart uh, ripping out cultures, blood sacrifice, and a human, I was watching one of these tribes in the jungles that was uh, cannibalistic. You see, your conscience can be so seared, but God's voice will never go away. Well, I should be very specific here now. God can hand you over to it, and he'll never speak to you again. That is called a reprobate. There are very few times in the Bible. Pharaoh would be an example of one, and so would Judas. Everybody go, off, oh, snap. Yeah, so we got to be careful when we say big, encompassing stuff, uh, statements like that. God will never stop speaking to you. No, there are times in the Bible God says, I'm done with you. I'm handing you over to your flesh. You're only going to hear your crazy self now, and then I'll meet you on judgment day. That is a different kind of person. That's the hardening of the heart of God over time as a form of judgment and then the Bible says you will not be saved the judgment has been sealed on this earth so be very careful with that now that puts the fear of God in some people what if I'm that person and as the old saying goes if you're asking the question you're never the person the person is like literally a Pharaoh literally a a Judas they have such a hard heart there is no uh repentance towards God there may be regret like Judas had and so did Pharaoh I believe in some ways as he saw the waves come down but there is no true repentance it's just a regret and then a blaming towards God can I hear an amen Amen. But notice this great privilege we have as Christians as we go back to Romans 8, that we don't just hear the conviction. We get set free from our sin, and now we develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It even goes deeper than what we just said. Continue on down just a few more verses, please, to verse 14. For those who are led by the what? By the Spirit of God are they children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, what? Abba, Father. Praise God. The Spirit himself. Notice this. I love this. This is beautiful. I'm so glad you learned doctrines here because now these become even more beautiful. The Spirit Himself, hallelujah, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are His children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Father, Son, Spirit, you just saw the Trinity in the application of your salvation. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. We know that we're the Father's children when the Holy Spirit is with us and then we're partnered up with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you today to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Daryl, would you come to the keys, please, in closing? Thank you for your patience. Going back to John 16. I'm so encouraged today by this church that loves these doctrines because to me, I have grown deeper in my relationship with the Holy Spirit When I understood who he is and why he is here. Can anybody relate to that? I see some heads nodding here. Amen. When you are confused about who God is, it does a a, a hindrance. It, It does damage to your spiritual walk. Some people are like, well, who do I pray to, Father, Son, or Spirit? The Bible teaches us you pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Didn't we just learn that in John 15? If you ask the Father anything in my name, it's done. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name by the leading, the power of the Holy Spirit. But is it wrong to communicate with them? Of course not. You could say, blessed be the Father, I love you. Blessed be Jesus, my Savior. Blessed be the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. This is a relationship you have with the three persons in the nature of God. But specifically, if you want to see it in a systemized way, the Bible teaches us that it's the Father who sends the Son, and then the Son returns to the Father. And then the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. And then now we... And our spirit, as it said in Romans 8, receive the Holy Spirit. And then we start calling the Father our Father. And then we start doing what Jesus did. That's the excitement of Christianity, is I'm never away from God, just doing the things of God. I know oftentimes we say, well, I'm doing this for the Lord. Can I give you a little bit of a a, a hint here to relationship that will change the way you think about that phrase? Instead of just doing things for the Lord, how about doing things with the Lord? I'm doing things with Jesus by the Holy Spirit honoring the Father. I'm going out today with Jesus to serve the people of God. I'm going home today as a mother, those of you here, with God to be the mother He called you to be, the wife. Children going home with the Lord, serving your family, doing well in school, being a blessing to our culture, with God. God is with us. Remember that scripture we read at the beginning. We don't need to turn there, but just hear it again. It's not by might, it's not by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by us trying to self-improve. It's not a piece of clay trying to be its own potter. Come on. It's not a car washing itself. It's not a person with cardiac arrest giving themselves a heart transplant. It's what God does in us and through us that changes the way we live. I would not be here unless the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin righteousness and of judgment my mom did my parents did but you know what it wouldn't have lasted very long my teachers told me all the time what I was doing wrong but why I'm here today is because it was the Holy Spirit he convicted me of sin of righteousness and of judgment and it's when I called on the name of Jesus That something changed in my life that I couldn't explain to you then, but I can now with biblical words, that I became free, made a new creation, a child of God, born of the Spirit, not of flesh. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. And so today on this Mother's Day, I want to encourage us to go through life filtering your thoughts through the Spirit. Ask the Spirit what He desires in the name of Jesus for your life. Being led by the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, and learning to uh, to discern that deceiving voice of the flesh to what is the convicting, guiding word of the Spirit. The Christian needs to know that not all pleasures are of God. The Bible says there's a pleasure that comes from God that will never go away. Sometimes I talk to my friends and they go, well, I can't wait to go to heaven to do this and do that. No, no, I don't need to go wakeboarding in heaven. I got God in heaven. I go wakeboarding now because I want a piece of heaven. I want a taste of adventure now. You know, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do that. My friends, all of those things are shadows of what God has offered us in this world. In other words, that feeling I get when wakeboarding, I'll have just being in his presence. That feeling I get with my wife and kids, I'll have in his presence. And here's the thing. God made those things to be enjoyed in this temporary world if we point it back towards him. But if we ever uh, get distracted, we'll make those things our idols. And then our flesh will get gratified. But guess what happens? Our spirit will die. Have you ever felt that before? Like, man, your life is amazing on the outside, but on the inside, you kind of feel like something's missing? You know, a lot of times we tell testimonies here, and it's like the busted and disgusted kind of testimony. Man, I was arrested, I was this, and then Jesus came. Yeah, but have you ever been as a Christian, blessed, promotion, job going well, marriage going well, but you started feeling like your spiritual life wasn't going well, and you were just missing something? During this season, as I'm being trained to do different things in my life, you know, uh, you know, I want to trade and do these different things. And sometimes I'll get locked into this side gig thing. And then after a few hours, I'll just say to the Lord, I'm so glad my identity is not tied into whether or not I want money today in the stock market. Like, I'm so glad, like, I like this. This is cool. I'm glad that, you know, I know I can make some money, but I'm so glad that at the end of the day, man, I can just go on a prayer walk and I can love you because this can't be my identity. And it's a good thing. But man, if you make your job your identity, it starts to feel empty. And, and, and I'm not talking about fights in the marriage. Once again, we talk about that and things going on. And you can feel bad for that. And we should if we're not getting along. But there's been days where my marriage has been perfect. And we've been on vacation, you know, five, six, seven days in Florida, enjoying the weather. And then all of a sudden, I just get by myself and I feel this ache in my soul. And I feel like the Lord saying to me, Hey, man, you haven't spent any time with me. You've been so busy with this and with that. Come take a walk on the beach. Come pray. Talk to me. Has anybody ever been there before? I'm not just talking on bad days where you just mess up and sin like, I need you, Jesus. I'm talking on the best days. Have you been reminded like, this is a relationship? You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. He's convicting you of righteousness. It may not even be sin in one sense. Going to the beach with my kids, is that a sin? No. But is it right to do it and ignore God? No. It's not right to go to the beach and ignore God. So the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts me of righteousness. He's not saying what I did was sin, He's just saying there's something better you need to do here right now. And brothers or sisters, uh, brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage us in our relationship with the Holy Spirit that we don't ignore His still small voice. Because he doesn't force himself into our lives. He draws us. The Bible says deep calls out unto deep. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and draw you. And so all of my, you know, my overachievers here, those doing great in life, you're winning at life. Please don't get so busy that you lose in your spirit. And then you walk down that road so long that you forget what you're even missing. I talk to some backsliders, I'm telling you, and they forget what they're missing until they come here. I've had backsliders come into this church, tears streaming down their eyes, saying, man, I just forgot what this was like, man. I forgot what this was like being in the presence of God. I've been so busy out there. I forgot what I was missing. Stay in his presence. Let the Lord touch you by the Holy Spirit. If you're having trouble discerning his voice, is it my voice? Is it his voice? Get better at reading this and having friends alongside of you so that you can learn to discern his voice because that voice of the flesh is often very tempting and deceiving. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as we get ready to close today that we will go deeper in our relationship with the Holy Spirit before we stand, before we bring up the worship team and prayer workers, just right where you're seated, if you have not been born again yet by the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, to the glory of the Father, would you ask Him into your heart right now, surrender your life to Jesus, your Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for you to take away your sin so this relationship could begin and go for eternity. Just where you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe you died, buried, were rose again. You're my Savior. I make you the Lord of my life. Be the boss. The rest of us who are already Christians, would you just search your heart with me right now as we do so often in this church? And now, would you confirm that you have that relationship so that you don't walk out of here hard-hearted, being deceived? Because you might be right on the line right now. You might be right in the place of backsliding and losing this precious relationship. But you have a chance here to go forward with God instead of walking away. It's It's called a valley of decision. Choose the right path right now. And then lastly, for those of us who are Christians, we're on the right path, would you just right now dedicate this season of your life to the Lord to be led by the Spirit and what He desires? Oh, come on, use your dreams and imagination. I see myself sitting at the computer writing books with Jesus. I see myself taking the kids to the park with Jesus, just following the Spirit. He's always going to make me like Jesus if I follow Him. A few moments right now, where do you want the Spirit to lead you and guide you this week? in your marriage, and your family, you can go there with the Holy Spirit living like the way Jesus would to the glory of the Father and the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand up with me now? Can you give it up today for Jesus teaching us about the Holy Spirit? Band and altar workers, would you come and have, as everyone stands up? We're going to prepare to dismiss. Mothers, make sure you get your free gifts, the the photo shoot. Get friends and family in there if you want. You know, spiritual mamas, take those pictures too. I always love seeing that. We're a church of family and relationship here. These prayer workers will be here to pray for you. If you want to come to Christ and make that dedication, they'll also offer you Bible studies and discipleship. And then if there's just anything going on in your life today you just need prayer for, we're here. That's what we do. We're part of uh, the body of Christ that lifts our, our needs up for the, the Holy Spirit to hear us. That's why when, think about that, when these altar workers pray, if I could just get your attention in closing since we were talking about it, let's apply it now. When they pray or lay a hand on your shoulder or say in the name of Jesus, they're believing the Holy Spirit who Jesus sent is going to do a great work in your life. How many have ever come to these altars and the Holy Spirit did something? Hey man, isn't that powerful? I love it. It's amazing. Pastor Ray was here last week testifying. We had him speak at the leaders meeting. He was there for almost two and a half, three hours ministering in the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't trade that for anything. You couldn't get that at a conference. You can't get that from a book. That's the Holy Spirit. So as I get ready to dismiss and you're all going to enjoy your day, please make sure you take time to interact with others with the Holy Spirit or just you and the Holy Spirit in worship because that's what that's about before you go. And if you're ready to go, go, and we'll dismiss out the side door like norm- normal. But as you go, maybe say to yourself as you cross that threshold, come on, Holy Spirit, let's go. <laughs> maybe you think they think you're wild out there on the sidewalk, but as we come out, it's like game time, slap the top of that thing, let's go. Holy Spirit. Woo! Where are we going? Mother's Day barbecue? Let's go. I'm going with you. Okay, Monday, Holy Ghost, we going to work. Walk out of here empowered because the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Can I get one of the mamas? Let's say, Des, would you pray and dismiss us today? Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. We thank you for all the families, all the parents. Oh, Lord, we thank you, God, because you have blessed us, God. It is an honor to love you, to serve you, Lord. We pray that you would have your way in this place and on this day with all the families. In your mighty name we pray, Amen. amen.